Welcome to Upper Room, Ohio, where we love Jesus radically <laughs> through worship. All right, man, today is really special. We don't want to go um, through our service without recognizing that it is 9-11. And uh, we'd love to take a moment just to pray as, as this transition kind of happens. Love to start that way that um, there was a lot of men and women that gave their lives on that day on 9-11 and, and then since through the military and, and, the, and the conflicts and the things that we've had and, and, uh, and what, what we've been involved with as a nation. So we want to honor the first responders. We want to honor the families that lost loved ones that day, those who signed up. Um, I was in the process at Troy Fire when that happened, and I was ready. I was ready to, to give my life either military or go as a first responder. And a few months later, I started the Troy Fire Department. And, um, and I just, I just want to say, like, there's a sacrifice that was given that day and, and beyond. And um, so we just want to honor them. And, and I know there's families that have lost loved ones, so we'd love to pray for them. So, so let's just let's take a moment. Let's honor 9-11. Let's, let's honor those who gave the ultimate price uh, both that day and, uh, and since. And uh, pray for those families for peace and comfort. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this great nation. We thank you uh, for, for every um, milestone, every memory stone. And this date certainly is a memory stone that we do not want to forget that we do not want to forsake the history of it and, and repeat that, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for this free nation. We thank you for those who protect it. We thank you those who have given their lives. And we thank you for that day, the firefighters, the police officers, the first responders, the workers, the business people down there at the, at the World Trade Centers, Lord, and, and beyond. And those who, who were even activated to active duty, those who, who gave the ultimate price, Lord, we thank you. We honor them. Lord, right now we ask uh, just your blessing, your, your peace, your comfort over those families, even those who are still abroad serving our nation, Lord, we pray for their protection, and we pray for the families that are here awaiting their return. So we thank you, Jesus. We do not forget this day, and we ask your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Are right, you guys ready for some biblical dad jokes? This is the third and final. Um, so before I get to that, you know, we do have sign-ups. If you came in a little late and saw all the tables, uh, it's, it's kind of like small group, uh, small ministry discipleship launch today. So if you want to start a small group and you don't even know what that looks like yet, there's a sign-up table. Mike and Ty, who just received the baton, will be at that table. You're like, yeah, I want to lead a group. Even if you don't know the details yet, they're going to on-ramp you and figure that out. Or like, I want to be connected. I want to sign up for a group. There's tons of options out there. Um, even one cool one that Matt and Carmen are going to be doing. It's, uh, they're doing a 30-day thing starting October 10th. Uh, it's, it's essentially online twice a day with uh, some touch points through Zoom, but it's on Resilient, uh, the new book by John Eldridge. So that's a 30-day journey. So that's just cool ones like that. So some of them are long commitments, some are short, uh, but man, we just really want to get you plugged in. I started up a small group uh, just recently. It's called Fantasy Football. <laughs> and this weekend is the battle of the pastors. Me and Josh Haas, the Haas boss, are going at it head-to-head -head in fantasy football, and he's been texting me, talking trash, and my quarterback literally failed Thursday night. So he's probably going to beat me. Anyway, Bible dad jokes, and then we're going to move a quick word here. Okay, Ooh, real quick. All right, who is the greatest babysitter mentioned in the Bible? David. He rocked Goliath to sleep. Did Eve ever have a date with Adam? Nope, just an apple. Not a date, an apple. 
What's the difference between Jesus and pizza? Jesus can't be topped. You guys like these. I know it. Why did Samson try to avoid arguing with Delilah? He didn't want split hairs. Need an ark? Nah. Noah, I got a guy. Noah. Noah, I got a guy. A little harder to, to say out loud. Anyway. Anyway, I should have ended on a much better one. Hand clap for dad jokes. Okay. All right. Now let's get to business here. Uh, we're, we're in a season that we talked about last week. And, and last week, if you missed it, uh, it's worthy of going back. I don't advertise my own messages often, uh, but I, I speak on the threshing floor. And I talked about where David had went up, bought a threshing floor uh, from a farmer, from somebody working that threshing floor, built an altar there, uh, offered sacrifices to the Lord, and later that's where the temple, the tabernacle, was rebuilt by the next generation, Solomon. So it was this concept of us on the threshing floor building an altar for the Lord so that he could build his temple, all right? So I would call that week alignment, and I would call this week assignment. So alignment for the assignment. And I just want to kind of go back. It's funny, we're going we're gonna to mention the same Ark of the Covenant, Ark of God, the Ark of the Presence, right? But we're going to actually go back in time just a little bit. But I feel like we're in this season right now. We're in the season of life, the season in our nation, the season in the kingdom of revival, there, there's, there's great things happening. There's, there's a ripe harvest, right? Angie didn't know some of the stuff I was going to be talking about today was, was involving the words she gave Nicole. And, and if, you, if you know Matthew 9, 35 through 38, it says it's Jesus. He's, he's saying, like, listen, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. They're having this conversation, right? So we look out. The harvest is ripe. If you look at culture, it's ripe. It may not look like we think a, a ripe harvest would look like, but it looks like a hurting culture, it looks like an angry culture. It looks like a divided culture, right? That's a, that's a culture ripe for harvest. That's a society that needs Jesus, right? All of this hatred and all of these divisive tools that we've had over the last few years, that is in, in, in this raging anger and, and bitterness and, and this total divide. That is the sons and, and the, the, the daughters moaning and groaning. It's the earth moaning and groaning for the sons and daughters of God to manifest. That's, it just looks different, right? So every time we see somebody like just getting so, like losing their stuff, and I know a lot of times I see it on Instagram and stuff, I'm like, oh my goodness. That is the earth moaning and groaning for God, for our, us to manifest him in these, in these realms. So, so let's, where we're going to go is really uh, 1 Samuel 3. So let me just catch you up to speed. If you missed last week, we talked about the process, the altar, the table, being generational in the temple. We also talked about this open heaven seasons and, and Jesus' baptism. Like when, when the, the clouds separated, it was the same word used in the New Testament as when Jesus died on the cross and the, the rocks literally shook and the veil was torn. It was this violent opening, and I, and I believe we're, we're walking into that open heavens now. And, and, but see, see, that's the thing, though. Like, you got to pay attention. We're walking in the open heavens. It's not this time to just come in and, and have prayer and, and, and be in his presence. That is the alignment, right? We have to. We can't go if we're not sent. We can't give something we don't have. Freely I receive, freely I give. I can't give something I don't have. But I believe we're supposed to walk in that open heavens. We're supposed to go. We're supposed to actually like, like get filled up. We talked about that last week. Get filled up to the point of overflow to actually reach the people around us. You are the best person to reach the people around you. 
You are the best people to give hope to the hopeless around you. You're the best people to give peace to the people who are anxious and fearful and all of that stuff around you. You are the best people in your hospitals that you're working at, in the school that you're working at, in the, in the, realtor, um, in the real estate transactions that you're working, right? All of these vocations, you, you are the pastors to the people around you. You are the ordained. You are the called. So we get to 1 Samuel 3, and I just want to just briefly go through this now. We kind of talked about, like, as, as the Lord's presence gets so thick in this place, we have to be prepared to, like, give a short word. <laughs> because sometimes worship goes longer than we anticipate. And, and are you guys okay with that? I am. I'd rather sh- preach shorter anyway. So um, let me get here. 1 Samuel 3. And we're going to read the whole chapter, uh, the third chapter of 1 Samuel 3. This is cool. Let me catch you up to speed. If a lot of you, you may be your first expression of church, or, or you may not know this story. Um, so, so Hannah uh, can't have children. Um, her, her sister wife or her husband's other wife can have children. She can't. And on, every time they go to the temple, they, they get food. Um, the sister wife gets extra food, and then she makes fun of Hannah to the point of tears. And now Hannah's desperate, and she calls out to the Lord at the temple and Eli is there and, and, and kind of has this exchange in the first, second chapter of 1 Samuel. And what happens is she's like, Lord, if you honor her prayers, Lord, if you honor this, I will give a child to you for the rest of his life. And then all of a sudden, she, Eli sees her, thinks that she's there drunk. And she's like, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just crying out. I'm desperate for the Lord for a child. And he's like, okay, bless you. Sends her, comes back the next year, um, and she has, or comes back and has, has a child. Uh, she waits till he's weaned, and, and they, they return to the temple, and, and, and what she does is she gives Samuel to Eli, to the temple, to be a priest. She fulfilled her word and her commitment to say, if you bless a child, I'll give him to you, Lord, to serve you for the rest of his life, and that's exactly what she did. And every year they would go back to offer sacrifices and worship the Lord at the temple, and they would bring him a coat, so they had this relationship. So now here we go. Samuel is, is at the temple here. Now, Eli's blood sons are heathens. They're terrible guys. And we go through the second chapter, and it's like, but Samuel wasn't. He was priestly, and he was a servant, right? So then we we are now caught up to the third chapter here. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, now now this this has some context. There's a theme today. I'm going to call you to serve. I'm going to call you that it's not just about alignment. You're aligned for the assignment. You're aligned because you're assigned. Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, meaning it's very early in the morning. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. All right, that... Let me just, are you good? You want some points here? The first point was Samuel was a servant to the Lord from a young age. He was a servant. This, this isn't yet what he's called to do. This isn't yet his anointing. This isn't yet his, his fulfillment of his ultimate call on life. Here we're going to get to that. He was literally just a servant at this point. And it says, but he was sleeping in the tabernacle next to the Ark of the Covenant. Second point is he stayed close to the presence. If we want an anointing, it comes from servitude, obedience, and submission as a servant and staying close and walking in his presence. Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out Samuel. 
Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Now, here's, here's the key part. First off, we talked about obedience as a servant. He was obedient to the Lord and obedient to Eli. We, we think sometimes we only need to be obedient to the Lord, not to man. I work for taxpayers. I have to do a good job because I do unto my job or unto everything I do as if I'm doing it unto the Lord. So he was a servant to Lord as much as he was Eli, and he was obedient. Now, here's, here's, here's a good part. Here's the point number three. I didn't call you my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Eli was a son. Now, now let, me, let me just expand on that a little bit. We talked about Jesus' baptism last week. 30 years of walking as a son before three years of ministry. 30 years of identity. 30 years of not performing a miracle. Not, not preaching Sermon on the Mount. Not dying on a cross yet to be activated to three years of ministry. There is a key to, to, to walking as a king there's a key to walking as a father or walking as a leader. We first have to be a follower. And let me just say, there is a key in identity. If we don't know who we are, we won't know whose we are. Listen, God's calling us to know who and whose we are. It's not, it's not, it's not enough just to know the, the word of God. We know the, got to know the God of the word. Like, we, we walk in this identity, and we are sons and daughters. We have an inheritance of heaven. We have an inheritance of the kingdom. And, and, and as I, we mention in here often, in, in case you're not here as much with us, in Romans 8, Galatians 4, Paul talks about the spirit of adoption, where we are sons and daughters, and we can cry out, Abba, Father. We get to cry out as, as children of God. 1 John 3, 1, we are children of God. That's what we are. And he's talking about seeing what, what love the Father will lavish on us. This is sonship. Sonship is, 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 is the best ship, right? Comes before leadership. Let me move on. I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the, the next one was, was, was sonship. But, but here's a funny thing. He did not yet know the Lord. He, he had not yet, there's speculation, he had not yet had like this personal encounter with the Lord. He didn't have this personal relationship, yet he was already called to be a servant and a priest. I think sometimes we think we got to be overqualified. <laughs> sometimes we, we, we think we're a zero when God's calling us actually to be a hero. I, I had a conversation this week with one of my daughters and uh, facing some like rejection and some things at school. And, and, and I was like, listen, I started going through the list of the folks in the Bible. Those who were rejected. I started talking about David. David, all of his brothers were at the table. He wasn't. He was out tending, doing the lowest of the chores of the house. And he's called to be king at that table. I, I go through Joseph. His own brother sold him, threw him in a pit, sold him to slavery. He got forgotten about, got falsely accused, right? Got put in prison, all these things. And then ends up ruling and reigning in the kingdom. And she brings up Moses. The Israelites ended up hating and rejecting Moses, but God was picking him to be the spokesperson. And then I said, what about Jesus? I said, Jesus was rejected and looked down on by all. He was rejected by all to the point of death. And Jesus was the example of how we handle rejection and how we handle what this looks like. And, and as, as, I, as I read this, I was like, man, Samuel didn't yet know the Lord, but yet he's chosen to be a judge, which in that time was king. He's chosen to be king. He's walking as a servant and priest at this time. And yet it says he didn't yet know the Lord in this way. 
I think sometimes we're like, well, you got to go through this training. you got to go do this. And when the Lord has encountered us and we are equipped to at least do what he's called us to do for that season in that moment. Don't overcomplicate it. We use these fancy words in, in, in church called testimony, right? Man, at the very minimum, you have the authority to share your story. You have the authority to share your story of where you've come from and where he's brought you out of. As Steve Bowen words it, what he saved you from to what he's saving you for. It's, it's this beautiful thing to say, well, we don't have to be perfect. We don't, we don't yet have to have theology school or, or go to seminary. You just share your story. I'm not downplaying that. I see the significance in that at times. But what I'm saying is like, no, you can pray for somebody because my Bible in the Great Commission says, let the believers lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Let them lay hands on people, cast out demons. They won't drink a poison, right? There's these things. The authority comes from Jesus, not man. And we sometimes overcomplicate this. Well, you're not, you're not been in a church long enough to do this. You've not, you've not had enough education to do this. Bull crap. I had no other word. Now, again, I'm not under, under selling education. Corey's in, in seminary right now. I value that. But, but to the point of just changing the world around you one person at a time, you can do this. Let me, let me carry on here. Because he had never had a message from the Lord like that before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. Again, being obedient. <laughs> and the Lord came and called as before Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I am going to carry out all of my threats against Eli and his family from the beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him, but Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son. Again, he walked as a son. This is a servant in a priestly role, walking as a son. Here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. Now, now, now Eli, I'm getting this picture in this next few sentences. Yeah, he wasn't very nice. And he obviously wasn't taking care of his boys who were like receiving sacrifices and taking the meat of the animal sacrifices and all these other things and going crazy in the temple. Now here's what Eli says. And may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. Wow. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. And neither would I. <laughs> It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Listen, in this walk of servitude and obedience and submission, in this, in this call that Samuel received as a baby, like before he was born, his mother made this declaration over him. There is power in our declarations. There is power in our word. There is power in our faithfulness and our follow-through. As Hannah, as Hannah like, like submitted this boy to the Lord before he was ever conceived. Like there is power in our declaration and in the circumstances and in your children's or grandchildren's life, even those who have yet to come, and your spouse who's not yet even there. Like there is power in declaration. 
and all Israel from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet. Now we're getting to his anointing, his calling, from servant to priest to prophet, and then eventually to judge or king. It was before kings. He was the last judge. Samuel was confirmed as prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. And Samuel's words, now here, here's the thing. <laughs> this is a lifestyle of staying close to the presence. He slept at the Ark of the Covenant. He stayed close to the presence. That, as we mentioned that a lot last week, and this is kind of what I'm building from. If you missed last week, just go back. So, so we're talking about the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God hosting his presence. That we, on the threshing floor, we build this altar so that he can build something there and we get to host his presence. We get to a place where we can worship and build an altar and, and host his presence. That's what we want to build here at Upper Room. We're not trying to build programs or, or, or grow a ministry of a certain number of people. We don't take attendance on Sundays, not condemning anybody who does. But our thing is we just want to minister to the Lord. I want my life to be a, 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 a life that just blesses the Lord. We want to be a place that we get to worship Jesus, and if worship goes an hour and a half, sorry, we're not going to preach this week. Or, or we just want to be a people of God that, that are known, like David was, after his heart. That our first ministry is unto Jesus, and a place where we get to build something and build an altar and, and give him incense and worship and, and ourselves, Right? so that he could build something so that we could host his presence. So Samuel's lived this life out, and it's actually before the story I read last week, but he's lived this life out, staying close to the presence, being submissive, being obedient, and accepting the call. Here I am. Here I am, Eli. Here I am, Lord, right? So then we get to this last verse in this last sentence. And Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. That's a lot of people. Through this life, from servant to priest to prophet to judge, his words that were reliable and true as a prophet now went out to all of Israel. There is effectiveness in living a life in his presence, just being a servant and walking as a son. There's your message. In closing, John 4, 34 through 38 says this. One last plug before I get there. Last week I did mention about walking in intimacy, walking in authority, and walking in power. We get to walk in intimacy because the Father and the Creator of the universe adopted us, created us, and then adopted us as sons and daughters. So we get to walk in intimacy with the Father. We get to walk in authority by the cross and the blood of the Lamb, right? He has, he has authorized us to walk in authority. And then we get to walk in power through the presence and infilling of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's in us, we get to walk in power then. So John 4, 34 through 38 says this. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. They're kind of having this conversation. Let me catch you up. Like, hey, you want to eat? No, I don't need to eat. And then the disciples are like, did somebody give Jesus food? And then here we go. It says, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. My, my, my wife's family um, are farmers. They're from Pleasant Hill. If you are familiar with Pleasant Hill, it's a very small community, and she's a Jackson. My, my mother-in-law's a Jackson, and uh, pretty much a very big farming influence in that community. 
And um, we went there for Nicole's grandmother's uh, 90th birthday party last, last week and uh, at the farm. And, and I follow them on Facebook now. They have this Facebook group, on, and uh, they're on Greenlee Road, and they used to be a potato farm, so they begin to share these stories. But on Facebook, I see some of the history there. And then all of a sudden, Cody, Nicole's cousin, released this harvest hype video. I'm like, oh, this is cool. It's like combines and tractors. Like the little boy in me was just like, yes, it's awesome. I want to go ride in the little seat again. I used to do that with her grandpa and uncle. But, but anyway, um, it, it's this thing like, and I, I saw them. I heard them talking like, oh, yeah, we're getting close. It's looking like harvest is coming. This is what's happening here. He's like, look, look in the field. We can say, like, if we look at the circumstances and we look in the natural, we're like, yeah, that's not harvest. But when we start to see with God's eyes and heaven's perspective, we're like, oh, yeah, society's ready for harvest. It's ripe. It's ready for picking. Look at these grapes. They're, they're, they're big. They're ready. It says the fields are already ripe and ready for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. Okay, we are not looking through natural eyes. We're not talking about actual grapes here. It says that they are brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? It's fun. In that video, it showed them going through the planting season, going through the tending season. They had turned over the field and they planted. And then it showed last year's harvest and the combines out there. It was awesome, right? So it says that there's joy. It's, it's, it's a great process being the planter and the harvester. And it says, you know the saying, one plants, another harvests, and it's true. But verse 38, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. It's kind of cool when things line up in service, right, when we don't talk. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Paul and, and, and Silas and, and others, they talk about like one is, is a planter, one waters, but who brings the growth? God. So at times we're called to plant, at times we're called to water, but God brings the harvest, Right? So, so it's this thing of this process that sometimes we may not see the harvest. Sometimes we're planting. And sometimes we get to reap the harvest from what somebody else planted. You know, we, last week we mentioned, what are we praying into and pouring into and giving our life to for 100 years down the road? What are we giving to the next generation? Like we think in the terms of generational and David to Solomon with the temple, right? What are we paying so that others can play? What are we paying so others can reap this harvest? What are we planting so others can reap? I challenge myself with that. I challenge, like, Lord, what am I planting? What am I pouring out right now? What am I discipling? What, what am I doing so that my kids can reap a harvest, my grandkids, my great-grandkids can reap a harvest? So here we get to the, the main verse for today. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Isaiah 6. Isaiah is having this heavenly encounter with the Lord, right? And, 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 and the Lord begins to speak to him like, hey, man, we need messengers to go out essentially. Who, who's going to go bring the message? And Isaiah says, here, here I am, send me. I, I want that heart. I want the Samuel. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Eli. Here, here I am, send me. I, Isaiah, here I am, send me, right? Send me to the harvest. Send me to plant. Send me to water. Whatever it takes, I, I want to. I've shared this dream with you so many times, but I will always share it. After a few months of getting saved, how old's Chloe now? 15, almost 16 years ago, I got saved. And I had this dream just a few months later, and um, I was ascending to heaven. The Lord had returned. 
all these people around were ascending to heaven. And I remember trying to grab as many people as I could to bring up to heaven with me in their hands. Faces I recognized, faces I didn't recognize. And as many as I could count in this dream, is like just it kept going on and on and on. They just kept slipping through my hands. And I remember, like, yes, I had given my heart to Jesus, but at that moment in that dream when I woke up, it was so real. I was crying, I was sweating, right? And in that moment, I gave my life to Jesus, saying, I will serve you, and I will try to bring as many people to heaven with me as I can to doing what you put in front of me for the rest of my life. And that's what I've done ever since. Whether that's just loving on somebody, encouraging them, meeting somebody for coffee. If he wants me to speak, have me speak. I used to stutter and just get so worked up about speaking in front of people. I failed speech class in high school and college. And I'm like, Lord, this is, no. I get saved, and he's like, you're going to be a pastor. I was like, no. I'll just be a youth leader. He's like, you're going to preach. No. I remember being so nervous, my first sermon at at the old building, and it was so many years ago, and I had a piece of paper, right? And I'm I'm just reading it. I'm reading word for word. I was like, okay, let us pray. And I think it was three minutes and 27 seconds. I don't know. I don't care what it takes, Lord. Even if I'm uncomfortable, I want to serve you, and I want to take as many people to heaven as possible. Won't you stand with me? We talked a few weeks ago about just one spark. We kind of stole Cal Fire's slogan. Uh, I think it was like, one less spark, one less fire. And we're like, we adopted the kingdom saying, one more spark, one more fire, one more revival. It just takes a spark, and, and, and you are the spark to light things on fire. You're the spark to light your house on fire. Okay, please don't do that. All right, I don't want to do a fire investigation any time in the near future. Those are boring. And I don't get there in time to usually fight the fire, so that I have a clipboard. It's awful. So, so anyway, set things on fire. You're the spark. Here I am. Send me. It's on the threshing floor. It's, it's in his presence. It's, it's going from servant to priest to prophet to judge or king. Listen, he's called you to be kings and queens. He's called you to be princes and princesses. You are his royal family. You're his royal priesthood is the word he actually used. You are his royal priesthood. We're an heir to the kingdom, an heir to the throne, right? You are his sons and daughters. You're his beloved. We get to plant. We get to harvest. We get to water. We get to be a part of this process. And let me just remind you this one thing. I don't know if we're going to do music or not. I just totally forgot because I'm done. Whatever. It doesn't matter. So anyway, you are qualified. Let me, just, let me just be honest with you. You may not be running that combine. You may not be the one driving that planter in the hype video I saw. But maybe you're the one getting the trailers together. Or, or maybe it's even the one just scooping up the leftovers that, that, that fell out of the auger. You know, whatever it is, does it matter? Because one needs to be a toe, one needs to be an arm, one needs to be a foot, right? And, and you're qualified to do whatever God's called you to do. You are qualified to reach and to be a part of whatever he's placed in front of you. And if we want to see the world change, love the person in front of you. If we want to see society change, just love the people in your direct sphere of influence. It's not difficult. It's not complicated. Be the light. Be Jesus to the people around you. Be, be joy to the people around you. Be hope to the people around you. Be love to the people who, around you. It's amazing what these simple acts of kindness do because it is the kindness of God that lead men to repentance. It's his goodness in, in another version that lead men to repentance. Just be you. I, I, I like how my mentor says, be you because everybody else is taken. 
Be you. Everybody else is taken. I'd love to just pray for you, a commissioning prayer. I'd love to just send you, and, and as you go out, consider starting up a group, okay? L- let, me, let me just say this. There are young people in here that need young people to start groups. There are mature people in here that need mature people to start groups. I don't call you old. There are ladies in this place, there are single moms in this place that need single moms to start groups so that they can get some help and know that they're not the only one in that spot. There are people that have been through divorces and tragic situations that need you to start something because they need you. And let me just tell you this, on the flip side, you need to pour out. You need to be a river that flows and let the Lord flow through you. And you are equipped and you are good enough and you are qualified and you can do this. The moment you accept Jesus in your heart and he fills you up, now suddenly you have the authority and the power to walk with him in intimacy to touch others. So I strongly encourage you, do something. Do something, whatever that is. I know that the Lord's put things on your heart. It might look totally abstract. It might look, it might look like a cooking class. It might look like a, a, a fitness thing. It might look like whatever. Like, I just know that the Lord is calling us to gather at the altar and around a table. And he needs people to create these times around these tables. And let me just tell you, it's... I too often hear, like, well, my season's done. No, it's not. You're still here. That's a lie from the pits of hell. You're not done. You're still here. (laughs) Well, it's time for somebody else to do it. No, no, no. If we all thought that, no one would ever do it. So I just encourage you, join a group, start a group, get plugged in. I, I love the Sunday expression. I, I love the corporate gathering. And, but if you remember in Acts, when we studied that a few weeks ago, they, they met regularly in the temple and house to house. It's this, it's this thing of this concept of we meet as a family reunion and celebrate Jesus on Sundays corporately, but we also need the intimacy of a table and communion with one another in close-knit community and intimacy and vulnerability and accountability and encouragement. All right, that's enough. And Nicole's like, let's go. Let's go call you out every time. Yeah, sign up out there. Oh, I thought it was the eyes like, like this. Hey, put your hand on your heart. Oh, I want to pray for you. As I'm praying, the prayer team's going to come up. So if you need a specific prayer, uh, healing, relational, emotional, whatever. If you need to, to, to just be touched by Jesus today, if you don't yet know Jesus, you don't know Messiah as Lord and Savior, man, we want to welcome you into the greatest journey you'll ever into in your entire life for eternity. So our prayer team is going to come up and be here if you need that. Lord, I thank you for bringing us together. I thank you for your call on our lives, each and every single one of us, that you've ordained us. You've called us to walk in intimacy, to walk with authority and walk in power. Lord, I thank you for for the Samuel generation again to to be servants and to be priests and to be priestly, Lord, and and to be prophets and, and to be kings. God, I thank you, Lord, but it starts as servants. It starts with a yes. Lord, we are sons and daughters. We get to walk in the identity of sons and daughters as you as the best daddy ever. So, Lord, I I thank you for the mantles that are happening today. I thank you for the mantles that that are coming and the anointing that's coming on people right now in this moment. I see these batons just passing from heaven right now. 
see that the Lord's like, like just directly handing you a baton and you're to carry it in this race. So just humor me for a moment. Will you just reach up and just grab a baton? Only the Lord and you know what it is or the Lord might not even reveal it yet, but he's revealing it. So just pull that baton down. Just put it right there in your heart. Oh Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're good. We thank you for equipping us, empowering us, freeing us. We get to walk with you as Messiah, as high priest, as savior, as creator, as father, and spirit, Jesus. Oh, we thank you for the, for the commissioning to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we love you. Enjoy one another's company for a little while. Feel free to sign up for things on your way out. And uh, man, we are excited for what the Lord's doing in, through, and around us. Bless you guys. Have an amazing week.